On today's show, we're joined by our friend Aaron Torres. Uncle Dennis gets his nephew moved. Uncle Brent headed back to the booth. And NSFWFAN. Plus, the Chicago Bulls defense. And now, WTMJ presents The Tripod, a sports and pop culture podcast with Justin Garcia, Scott Morris, and Ashton Rotman. And we debated not doing it. There's no Scott Warris this week. We tried to find a third man, which we did. He will be joining us momentarily. Fan favorite, I think. Uh, for those who are have listened to you <laughs> so six on people. the air in the past, if there's that. seven maybe. We had a in, This is almost like a post-game show. Oof. We had an interesting show today. Today is in, what, Thursday, July 19th? Strong two hours, I would say. Strong two hours. <laughs> Strong hour for sure. And then I'm not going to say, I don't get tailed. It's Any, just, anything in particular? Probably like 6.30 uh, to 8.30? Oh, anything from uh, 6 to 8, I think was the, the yeah, better. I, I tweeted maybe. some of this out. But um, look, I, I really do appreciate whenever I'm on this show and I fill in for Greg, we always try to do things a little different. That's, uh, yeah. Um, so, I mean, different structure to the show. I'm not trying to do Sports Central. I'm just, we're each doing our own thing. So we do things a little different. And we've gradually seen the audience plays along with us. So. Yeah, they really like I'm odd I'm glad topics. for that. Yeah, they like the odd stuff. I'm, I'm glad that they're there with us and we got a lot of interaction uh, we should mention whenever you listen to this, I'll be back on in that role July 27th, and we got big plans for that. So, Oh, boy, do we ever. Most of the time, a little inside baseball here, we'll plan out the show. Can you call it planning? We'll plan it out. We have a grid with here's what we're going to do here, here, and here. It doesn't necessarily always happen like that, but it seems like every time um, – the show goes in a direction that we don't expect, and it's always something you and I talk about before we walk into the studio, and then it just becomes, okay, we're doing this now. Right. Some more inside baseball to that, some insider inside baseball, uh, let's call it. Show starts around 07, 08, top of every hour. By about 08, 30, the show is, um, what's the best word here? Off the, it's not off wrecked, the rails. Yeah. It's, I'd call it's, it wrecked, but it's great. It's not fun. what I expected. It's it's a completely different, and basically we just forget everything we'd previously talked about. Somehow we landed on athlete roasts. We know exactly how it happened. There there was a, a linear reason because we were talking about. But it was still all right. Tough to get there. So it's it's SB. What did you? Your idea was to we know put what a sparked. Poll up. Yeah. So. Right. Uh, we were talking about the ESPYs, and, and so yeah, the the idea was, and this is a great companion piece if you listen to Sports Central Excellent. On, on July nineteenth. Uh, um, our idea was, my idea was, and you hated it. True. Let's just ask the general question: What did you watch more of, the ESPYs the previous night or the World Cup duration of the tournament? <coughs> now the poll proved it was the World Cup. The, the literal one caller that called in about so it right. uh, said, I, said, technically, you're right. So I guess technically, but, technically, you're right. Uh, but again, the S, this is my, my math was, and I'm not a math magician or anything, uh, my math was, it's like three hours for the ESPY, it's like seven to ten, something like that, and each soccer match is about two hours. My and thing like 50 was- 50 matches. 
I, I didn't mean it as a knock on our audience, but because I I was in that same boat prior to the World Cup, I don't think I don't think the audience for that show. Maybe mine is different, but I don't think the audience for that show is, um, or for this station really, is very soccer-centric. Uh, yeah, that's accurate, I think. So uh, my thing was, you know, a lot more opportunities. What if more people watch the ESPYs in the World Cup? That would be interesting. Somehow, instead of that show-long poll question, the entire first hour just became... <laughs> what athlete would you like to see roasted by a comedian? Because that had, right, had to do with Norm McDonald and, and trying to figure out when was the last time. So the, the genesis, good. Norm McDonald was uh, the host of the ESPYs. I think this was the last time I watched it, and this was 99, 98. I mean, Charles Woodson and the Heisman, so that was, yeah, 98 ish. He won that, so 99, it would have been, summer of 99. And it basically was a roast on athletes in the audience. And you and I just discussed well, who would who would it be funny to see this happen to? And by the way, isn't that what award shows are supposed to be like half giving out awards and half just telling jokes at the expense of the people in the audience? So we landed on Kobe Bryant, which is that's an easy one, I think. I mean, we've got some some real good ones, and also. Uh, we've tied. we had a lot of great suggestions. Our guy Tony with the best. Yes, I don't know how we overlooked Kevin Durant, who's still, by the way, this as, is the same Kevin Durant who's still as much bleep as we give him, and we forgot about sliding him sliding into mentions. This was what uh, ten days ago? Not even. Man, I respect the bleep out of you at Kevin Durant. Man, I respect the bleep out of you, but give me one legitimate reason for leaving OKC other than getting a championship. That was. The initial one. This was the original one from 2017 where KD forgot he was in his KD Trey 5. He didn't like the organization or playing for Billy Donovan, blah, blah, blah. Back at it again, man. More just going right at guys that are tweeting at him on social media. Can't help himself. It's, it's a very weird thing that he can't, that he just decided he has to keep going. I don't get it. When is this one? Hey, KD Trey 5, I named my dog after you and he <laughs> left me. What's up with that? You must be a piece of bleep if a dog chooses to live in the streets instead of your house. <laughs> that was last summer. That's not nice. That's mean. He deserves it, though. I mean, not not the intense stuff, but he, he kind of brings it all on himself. So <coughs> along the way... It just became that of who would you want to see roasted. We got a lot of interaction. Mixed with Michael Scott's boom roasted. <clears throat> so that was the genesis of, okay, let's write jokes and roast. There's more we could probably say on here than we can say on that show. Should I, should I give my best one? I still think we can say it on the show, but go ahead. Uh, my best one is Kobe Bryant, you're only supposed to buy a wedding ring once, boom, roasted. So <laughs> the setup is, you know what? We'd roast the athlete just like Michael Scott did after he was roasted on mm-hmm. The Office, where you just stupid comment, boom, roasted. Tony Kukoc, Tony, you spell your name wrong, and I can't understand what you're saying. Boom, roasted. <laughs> Bill Wennington, Bill, the 90s called. Nobody wears sweater vests anymore. Boom, roasted. Oh, come on. You can't do my guy I, I like that. I can't say that either. I love sweater vests. Your sweater vests ate great. How many sweater vests do you own? Side note. I cut down. I used to have quite a few. So... I feel like, um, and hopefully there's a fourth trend, I feel like there's been 
three different trends for my wardrobe for each home game at the Bucks Arena. So, don't want to speak too soon there. The first year, I wore a lot of sweaters and sweater vests. I wear dress shirt, tie, sweater, or sweater vest over it. And then I was like, whoa, I think I'm becoming the guy that wears sweater vests. I don't, there's nothing wrong with sweater vests are good. And just sweaters in general. I'm becoming the sweater guy. I'm I got I to slow down. I guess, I mean, I wear sweaters every day, so. So, second year, it was just dress shirt. That was it. Last year. Well, classier, last year. Dress shirt and tie or dress shirt, tie, and suit coat or just classic suit sport with no coat. tie. Yeah. yeah. I think that's that's the move is the, the classic sport coat. So I'm looking for a fourth style. What would your fourth style be? You going to mix it up maybe? <laughs> you going to go exclusively turtlenecks? And uh, who who used to wear the turtleneck I, uh, with the coat? Steve Jobs probably. I don't know. I would go um, I would go shorts with my suit. No. Nope. No, you're not allowed to do that. Why is that a trend? That's not cool. It's a great trend. It's so, a terrible trend. If I can be honest, too, this is a lot of inside talk on, on today's show so far. And we're going to bring on our third man in, in just a few moments here. I'm struggling to get through today. In what sense? Um, physically struggling. Oh, gotcha. So as you can probably hear, I'm just getting over a cold, which... You're always sick when no, I see you. No, that's not true. I, I'm just getting over a cold, sick. which I maintain. I got this cold from air conditioning. That How does that work? How does that work? Uh, so, okay. That is what everyone has said. Now, go with me on this. If you go, let's say, December... You're just wearing shorts and a t-shirt, and you go hang outside for five hours. What's going to happen? This is in December? Yeah. I mean, a normal person would get cold, kind of cold. My brother, fun fact, he literally wears t-shirts and shorts every day, except for his job when he wears a polo and jeans. Okay. I mean, uh, but is he outside? Yes. Yeah, he is a- He works outside. He's a maintenance engineer for, for banks. So he goes bank to bank. He's doing in, interior, exterior. But he's in the car a lot, and he's he, not. He's not just standing outside for eight hours. Not every day, no. That's what I'm asking you to do. You'd get a cold, right? Yeah. Who's yes? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yes. For the sake of this, sure. So, last weekend, about like six days ago, it was really hot. Yes. And I'm not on the ground level. I'm up a few floors, so the heat rises. It gets pretty humid and hot in my apartment. Can confirm. Crank the AC. Logical. Changed into basketball shorts and a bro tank. Half of that's logical. Fell asleep on top of my bed, on top of the covers, for about six hours. Woke up, frigid cold apartment. Like, whoa, this is cold. Turned off the AC. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Turned off the AC, got into bed. Woke up the next morning, hours later. Wait, you went to sleep and then went back to sleep? Sniffling. Oh, yeah. Who I do all the time. I don't like that. I do all the time. Wait, so what time did you wake up after the first uh, heat of sleeping? for? Uh, pro- like probably two in the morning, three in the morning. Man, and you were able to go back to sleep. How do people do that? Uh, there's like a... Uh, if you go that long, I found, 
I can fall back asleep. I but can't. but where I run into trouble is let's say I get home and I start watching TV, fall asleep on the couch at seven o'clock, wake up it's ten, then I'm screwed. There's no falling asleep until like four in the morning at that point. I just I'm not a napper either. If I, don't I if try, I don't I'm not actively trying to nap. No, but it I mean happens. like anytime I fall asleep, I find if I fall asleep and then I wake up, I feel terrible. If it's not like a normal night to morning thing, I don't feel good. Same thing happened this morning. In the interest of uh, transparency, fell asleep on the couch watching um, what is that HBO show? Uh, uh, not billions. Is that Showtime? good? That's Showtime. Um, Sorry, the one about the uh, the family that runs the company and boy, it's <laughs> the family that runs the company. It's, it's, what the hell is that? Yeah, what kind of company? Oh no, I mean that's Game of Thrones, sort of. I don't watch like, Game of Thrones because it just takes. I know it's too not. Mu- it's too not much a of an investment. Show. You can't, no, like I can't just turn it on yeah. and have it on in the background. Uh, you don't need to do that with shows anyways. Uh, yeah, you do. Well, no. That's why you watch The Office. You throw that on in the background. Well, right. That's Where is this? Um, I feel like you're making this show up. No, and it's obviously that good that I can't even think of it. What's the premise? It's a family business. Like, it's a guy that's like a tycoon and... His kid. Oh, uh, Succession. He's, he's succession. Yeah, I have, yeah, I've yeah. not seen it, but I've heard people talk. Is it good? I mean, I know you fell asleep and everything, but. <laughs> so I'm probably two plus episodes in. Fell asleep midway through the third episode, woke up and saw, oh, man, it's like 3 a.m., 4 a.m. So then I went in my room, went to go to bed, and after like 20 minutes of just laying there, David Putty style, and just staring at the ceiling, I was like, this isn't happening. I'm not falling back asleep. So then I didn't even try to go to bed, and I was just watching videos on YouTube and trying to re-watch episodes I fell asleep during. And then it was like 6.15 that it hit me of, oh, now I'm starting to feel tired again. And instead of getting up right then and taking a shower and starting my day, I fell asleep and woke up, and it was 8. I'm like, oh, man. So you, but you feel like I'm on like two hours of sleep. You still had your your normal day today, like normal. Yeah, so I had that. Yikes. Still getting over the sickness. I mean, this is like day Hold on. I, yeah, I got to go five, back to this. Day five, I, I th- maybe I think day four of the whole 30. I think you're making this this whole air conditioning. How, how cold could it have possibly been in your apartment? So because it was so hot, and that was during the stretch where it was like, Three straight days. No, I need a number. I'm getting to it because it was during the stretch of like three straight days where it was in the 90s. And I looked at the thermostat to see what's the temperature in here, and it was peaking at like 88, 89. Sure. Like, oh, boy. I turned it to 60. That's not good. I, I still don't believe the sickness part. Well, that's not good for your body temperature. Why? Well, evidently <laughs> not. not. Okay, I'm a, I believe it a little bit. I still don't. I'm not. Again, I'm not a scientist or a doctor. I should be, but so I do know someone that is a doctor, well, a nurse. I think a nurse. <laughs> it sounded very disparaging. <laughs> not, no, it's not meant to be disparaging. Not entirely sure, but um, she's married to a friend of mine. So I texted her, and you said, "Is this normal?" Question. Well, mark. she said, "You can't get a cold from that." And okay. I said, "How can't it give you a cold?" You're going back at a doctor about this. She's an idiot. She said a cold is a virus. If I get a cold in the winter from being underdressed, you can get a cold from air conditioning. 
that's not true. You can get hypothermia from being an idiot without cl- enough clothes in the winter, not a cold. So I said, fine. But then, this is a cold. Fine. Then a virus was living in my AC ducts, and it flew out on Saturday and landed in my system. Then you're dirty and need to get your life together. So that's been my week. That's a bummer. I still, I'm, you know, I'm going to agree with your, your friend there. I think you're crazy. This, so, I mean. You're just always sick. Every time I see you when you do one of these. That's not even true. Filling shows, you're always sniffling and, and coughing. I just, I mean, when you do the filling shows, not when I see you just normally. This is tough, man, because I would have, I mean, I've gone through probably 64 ounces of water today. That's it? I would have had a couple of cans of Mountain Dew by now. I'd be. Getting set to go to Burger King or Taco Bell after we wrap this, but I can't do that. Can't you? The whole thirty. You can drink tea though, right? Uh, can you drink tea? Well, can't have sugar. I don't. I mean, I don't drink tea with sugar, anyways. Like black tea? Yeah. Or I, just I don't really like black. I don't like you green, do green tea. tea? Uh, I don't like it. You're not a tea guy. I like tea. Like See, especially I like tea. when I'm sick, I like tea with honey and lemon. Lemon, yeah. But. Black tea's okay. Mint tea I like. Uh-uh. See, mint tea is probably one of the teas I won't drink. I just, I mean, I'll drink it. I just don't, it doesn't taste good. I don't know what I'm going to do to eat. Rice, right? You can eat rice? You can't eat rice. No, That's you can't eat rice. What can, what can you eat? Just lettuce, right? You can eat more than lettuce. You can eat meat. Okay. Uh, potatoes. Okay. Vegetables. Fruits. So you, but you no cheese. No dairy. No dairy, oh, no grains. That's where you're losing me. That's where you're losing me. How about you get some French fries? No, you're technically not supposed to have deep fried potato. Okay, what about a what a baked potato? Technically, that's not deep. You fried. can have a baked potato, but you can't have butter on it. That's fine. Just just eat the potato. You're just eating a, bl- a plain potato. Or go buy like some. Instant and here's potatoes. the real. Just Why it's uh, dairy. I don't think you can have because it dairy. It, the problem is with mashed potatoes too. So I I follow it strictly when I do it. Each time you do it, I mean, you lose like 15 pounds. But you feel great. And then I always tell myself, man, this is, I'm, I feel tremendous. I'm going to do this forever. And this, then you get this sick. This is the new me. Again. No, no, no. Mm, and then it's lot. done. I'm like, all right, I made it through. Like the last time I did it, I think I went like, like 32 days or something. You're supposed to do 30 days. Made it like 32, 33 days. And then it's I was the whole 30 slowly part. like, uh, I'll incorporate some stuff. Uh, you know what? I don't think I'm going to eat this stuff again. Could you just like. You could make it better by just say you can so, say and dairy because dairy is so. I'm like you know what, this, this is the new me. I don't think I'm gonna eat that stuff again. And then it's one day like, oh, I don't feel like making anything. I'm just gonna go to cops. And then the next day, like, like I don't make, I gotta just. Uh, go to I'm going Cox to Chipotle. <laughs> and then before you know it, it's like three straight weeks of that's all I ate—just burritos and double cheeseburgers. Like, oh man, I gotta do this again. Things could be worse, I guess. <laughs> So, so that's why you sound horrible. That's what I've been dealing with. So I don't know what I'm gonna do when I get home. Like chicken breast and pistachios. You, can it be salted? Yeah. Okay. So um, I prefer salted peanuts and nuts. It's not nut that family. difficult because of the potatoes aspect. Now the tricky part is mashed, because I follow it pretty strictly. So I I only use almond milk that is literally almonds and water, and that's it. That's gross. The almond milk you'll find at any other grocery store, there's still sugar and stuff Wait, in yeah, there. Yeah, so do you have to make your own almond milk? I usually buy it from a, a you have to go to like couple Whole of Foods? different places. Well, Ugh. places like that, and it's like eight bucks. 
See, that's and the other thing. This, like this big. This this diet, as healthy as it may be, it it's sounds not expensive. That expensive it's because not, you just uh, eat a ton of potatoes and vegetables. Is that really healthy for you? But yeah, I, hey, I mean, I haven't I had mean, any pr- health problems so other potato- than just catching a cold in July. You don't have. Do you have allergies? Because I feel like this is just allergies. I, so, I like think onset if allergies. Any ladies listening? Uh, there's not. I think you've scared them off last week. I think I have a cat allergy because you don't have a cat. No, I don't have a cat. But gradually over the years. A couple friends that have had cats, or if I'm around a cat, it's usually like I can be around it once or twice, but then like the more I'm exposed to it, you start to get like the watery, itchy eye and sniffle a lot. So I think I have a mild cat allergy, which I'm fine with because I hate cats. I'm not a fan of cats. Pictures of kittens are cute. That's fine. You not you don't like animals though that much. Not right? Really. Yeah. No. And I, I, I love dogs. Like I'm a, I'm a heavy dog person, literally and figuratively. God, I hate. If there's one thing I hate, it's big dogs. I don't. Other than Glenn Robinson, I. That's a good one. Uh, I am allergic. Not the third though. <laughs> He's fine. Uh, I'm allergic to dogs uh, mildly, and dogs that shed, which is a bummer because golden retrievers are awesome, but they shed like half their. I hate dog hair. Yeah, it's not it's not fun. The do- I I have one, a dog. One of my best friends has a uh, I think a yellow lab or golden retriever or hair, something. Dude. It's a lot every of time hair. I'm in her car, it's just everywhere. Like I'm not dealing with it. This is disgusting. I I'll have, drive. My dog is I'm I'm showing you my dog is literally this big, two feet long, maybe stands at a foot. Uh, doesn't shed. Like I mean, every dog sheds a little bit, but that's it. Nice little rambunctious guy. It's great. I had a dog when I was a kid. Dogs are awesome. I, I I don't understand how people could not like dogs. I had a dog when I was a kid, and I basically treated her like a sibling. Yeah, that's what I do. In that I effed with her all the time. Um, not vicious, but No, like, but like, you know, messy, like pretend to throw a toy or take the toy oh, away. Oh, yeah, I would hide yeah. her bed. Well, that's mean. I would hide her bed. I would. What, what joy do you get out of Wait, hold on. You said, what, what are you doing to your sibling? You're hiding the bed of your sibling. No, like you mess with your younger brother or something. I am the younger brother. So I so, would hide the bed. I would like. That's mean. The dog would, the, her bed was in the living room and we'd watch TV there. And then my parents would go to bed and the dog would just like wander around like, okay, I'm going to bed. So <laughs> like when I, sometimes when I notice that happening, I just run on the floor and jump in her bed so she couldn't sleep there. I'm trying to imagine yeah. that. Like, that's not cool. Yeah, dogs yeah. don't deserve that. See, dogs yeah. Dogs are my theory. I've got a lot of theories of people, of listeners have come up with. Uh, dogs are better than people. I mean that, I think. You know why? Because dogs, dogs can't talk and they don't really have feelings. Or sorry, opinions. They don't have opinions. Dogs can attack you. Yeah, that's a that's a feeling, though. They, they know when, when people are bad. When people attack, it's not great always. How many times have you been bitten by a dog? Zero. Really? Zero times. Several. Okay, well, maybe they just don't. I mean, I'm not gonna My lie. Own. I can understand a dog not liking you. You're not a. You don't. Ooze it was a weird dog. No, I like it. Was, this was before. This was why I would torment her. <laughs> it was a good. cocker spaniel. So she was. It was a weird dog. Like every every time somebody came in the house, she would pee. That's not good. Right. Yeah, like dogs get excited and do stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, that's just, what she would do. Just train your dog and you're good. Bark at the vacuum all the time, bark at doorbells, pee whenever anyone walked in the house. Um, 
Just a strange dog. I just, I think, I don't know. I had a hamster. I think it's an allergy, though. It's got to be an allergy. I had a hamster once that killed itself. Nope. Yeah. Did you, like, bully it? Or I, I don't understand. It was a hamster. Right. I was, like, eight years old. You just said you tormented your dog. I was, like, 16. We had... Uh, that doesn't make it better. We had this... What, like a terrarium for hamsters with a little wheel. Just a cage? Could run on. Just a cage? No, it was like plastic. Hay, everything in there for it, a wheel to run around on. I think you just called it a tank. Whatever. Um, I witnessed it, too. It was very jarring. So the hamster was on, got on top of the wheel somehow and, like, nudged. No, 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 no. Nudged the top this. off of it. Don't want to hear what. I, I think I have an idea of how this ends. I mean, I know how it ends, Ow. but did something get stuck and twisted? No, no, no. Okay. Nudged like off the top enough that it could get out of the cage. Oh, or, no. Or, like whatever and just plummeted down dead. Killed itself. Ah, that's – what did you do to – So that's an it? inside look on how we stacked the show – for Sports Central and Brewers Weekly, the way it was tonight. That's what we did and said, you know what? Let's We should start to do this stuff. That's how we got from point A to point B. Colds, hamsters, dogs. There is nothing worse than a cold in the summertime, too. Because as miserable as you are, in the winter, you kind of expect it. And you say, I know I'm going to get sick in the winter. But part of it is... It's cold out. I can just lay in bed. I'm just going to put on sweatpants and a hoodie, lay underneath the covers, and just go to bed. The summer, it's hot out. You have a cold. There are a few things that are worse because you're like, oh, man, I'm heating up here. I got to cool down. But if you cool down that much, you're like, well, I'm also sick. So that's what makes it tough. You've never experienced summer colds? I mean, that's that's what I've been grappling with. So, I mean, we could ask our guy, but when we return, we find our third man. 20-plus years ago, it was Hulk Hogan. This time, it's Aaron Torres rounding out the tripod after this. All right, so we said there's no Scott this week, but we found an even better third man to join us here, and that is our buddy Aaron Torres. Uh, I mean, so many directions we can go with here, Aaron, but uh, people that listen to uh, the programs on WTMJ have heard you quite a bit. So I guess let's just start with your background. And I know you've bounced all over the place and you've done Fox Sports. I see you all the time with my guy Colin Cowherd on TV, but the background of Aaron Torres, how did you get to where you are now? Oh, man, I didn't know this was one of these, like, uh, super in-depth interviews. Um, dude, it's crazy. I mean, I think everybody um, that works in our field uh, has gone through all kinds of crazy stuff and continues to, I think, to this day. I mean, I don't think there's too many people in our field that feel 100% great about where they are or where they're going or where they're going to be, but 
you know, the counter to that is that we get to talk about sports for a living. So uh, I'll try to keep this as brief as possible. Um, I grew up in Connecticut, uh, huge UConn Huskies fan still to this day. I geek out whenever I get to talk to my Huskies. I uh, went to UConn, and, I mean, honestly, I just kind of graduated at the wrong time to, to get into our field. I graduated uh, in 2007. I left UConn in 2008. Um, and just really uh, bad time, the economy was down, all that stuff, and so I really just started freelancing, and, and I really, through that, um, was honestly able to make a lot of great contacts. I, I ran a college football website for a while. I did a lot of different stuff uh, from about 2008 to 2012, and was kind of the cliche guy that, you know, I, I had other jobs. I bartended on weekends, like all the cliche. Can I, I don't know if I can swear, but all the oh, cliche yeah. stuff. Oh, all the cliche, all the cliche, all the cliche shit that everybody has to do in life. You know, I mean, I, you know, I, I see kind of people in, in journalism and sports writing say, oh, you know, I have this privilege or I have that privilege. Shit, man, I didn't have any privilege. I'll be perfectly honest. I mean, I, I was bartending up until about three, four years ago. I uh, was fortunate. At some point, decided to move out to L.A., really just felt like there was going to be an opportunity for me here in some form or fashion um, because, let's be honest, you know, it's one of the media capitals of the world. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of teams. There's a lot of events. There's Olympic training facilities, all that stuff. And so I just said, you know what, this is where I should be for a year or two. Got here, got hired by actually FS1, which was the TV network, worked for them while I freelanced for FoxSports.com. That led to a FoxSports.com thing. I was there until FoxSports.com no longer existed, uh, and I've been freelancing again since, but I will say this, the last year has probably been the most fulfilling of my career. Um, you know, I, I host Fox Sports Radio every Saturday night now. It's one of the, the most fun things I do. I work uh, every Saturday night with Arnie Spanier, who's kind of a legend uh, in our industry. I started my own podcast. Who I, I encourage everyone to subscribe. A lot of basketball talk, college football, college basketball, NBA, whatever. Um, do some stuff for the athletic, do some stuff for some other places. Uh, but, you know, it's interesting that you ask because I feel like I'm still very much in my journey. I mean, you know, I'm comfortably into my 30s right now and thought I would maybe be somewhere else, but I love what I do, and, and I, I just keep, keep, keep doing what I do and kind of figuring out a way to make everything work, you know? Your, um, your story isn't all that different from mine, and we're pretty close in age, too, just lining up when you left UConn to when I left school. Um, I, you go? Were you a Badger? No, I went to school in La Crosse, Wisconsin, which is just northwest of Madison, so it's about two to three hours away from Madison. Um, okay. I've never been. Not, yeah, not a lot of people have, unless you're in Wisconsin. <laughs> Not to sound like uh, the old guy that just, you know, kids these days, but the one thing that would drive me crazy, because Ashton is in the same path, and uh, he and I have kind of done the same thing here. I started at the very, very, very bottom here, like board opping shows on weekends for practically nothing. The first job I had in radio paid me $5.15 an hour. I did that wow, okay. for years and years and years to finally reach the point similar to you where I feel like I've started to carve something out, but I'm, I'm still not there yet. But working yeah. with more people newer to the industry and more young people, I think the one thing that's probably the most frustrating is this business is set up that you can go create content and you can carve out a niche and you can make a name for yourself. 
but that doesn't mean that everybody can do it, and everybody expects an instant gratification. And for people like us, this is a process. So that's where it gets frustrating to see the other end. Well, and I was going to say, and I, you know, I, I, when I started, I mean, and it was cliche, and it was a different time because, truthfully, um, the the industry was just different, and a lot of people it, from the written side. They kind of started their own blog, started their own whatever podcast at the time was still pretty new. Um, but I did that. And I mean, I really, I was able to pick up freelance work through it. But I mean, I'm not lying when I say I did that for three and a half years, four years, virtually every day I was writing. Um, you know, and a lot of, you know, you talk to a lot of different people. I mean, I've talked to my buddy who owes Fox Sports Radio, Clay Travis, about this. I mean, he says, you just got to write every day. You got to put yourself out there every day. And it's true, man. And like, shit, I mean, I wrote, I'm not lying, you know, three, four, five times a week on this website. I don't even think it was a blog because it was more long form columns and stuff like that. Uh, but I did that for three and a half, four years. And like I said, this was while I was bartending at night. And, you know, I'm sure much like you probably second job, third job, third job. outside <laughs> of what I was. Yeah. And, you know, obviously, and I think now, my only regret in hindsight is that, you know, I, I always assumed it would lead to something more, and it did, and I'm very fortunate for everything that happened at Fox and continues to happen with Fox Sports Radio. Um, but, you know, learning the business of the industry, you know, I just assumed at some point it would lead to a full-time job. It did. But the point is, no, I agree. And, and you know, I, whenever whenever a young person asks me those questions, I mean, I don't have an answer because the industry's changed so much, but you just got to be willing to put yourself out there. I mean, and it's like you said, is even more so now than when you and I were kind of at the, the starting age, 22, 23, it's so easy to put out content. I mean, everybody has a podcast. You have one. I have one. I mean, you can start one anywhere. You can start a website anywhere. And so, yeah, I mean, that's, that's the truth of the matter is, is keep creating content, get out there, meet people, make friends, go to games, get credentialed to whatever you can uh, it's a it's a it's a fun industry. It's a blast. I love doing what we do, but it is thankless and ruthless, and you just got to stay with it for you know as long as it takes, if not longer. You're going to miss a lot of events, so just be ready for that. You're not going to go to birthday parties or anything with friends if this is what you want to do. You're going to sacrifice a lot of time. And well, I was going to say, I'll tell you. I remember when I was probably I don't know 24, 25. I mean, it was years ago now, but. Uh, literally, I you know, I had a friend text me like, you know, all of our friends were getting together for vacation and, and other friends were mad that I wasn't there. And I think one, she was a female friend, kind of got what my end game was and all that stuff. But they literally said to me, they were like, or they, they said like, oh man, you know, I can't, you know, can't believe Aaron's not here, blah, 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 this and that. I mean, miss vacations. Um, yeah, birthdays, holidays. I mean, shit, I mean, I'm 33. I host Fox Sports Radio every Saturday night. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's been... Uh, an adjustment for my girlfriend and I. I mean, that was some of the, you know, this time of year, July, August. Those are some of the, the few Saturdays that I had to myself. And now, uh, you know, I can't do it. It's funny, I, uh, not to keep rambling, but, you know, I just planned a vacation for the end of the summer. And it's literally uh, Sunday night to Friday morning because I got to be back to do radio Saturday. So, so yeah. So, anyways, I'm rambling already, which is now that I know that it's long form and I can ramble, it's what I do best. <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, man, this is, it's just uh, you got to be willing to make sacrifices. That's no, sure. I mean, we, look, we have all had, I mean, seven-day work weeks that uh, just uh, still exist for most of us. And 
we talked about all the opportunities and the platforms that are there now and less of that when we first started doing this. I know I started doing blogs and tried way before this stuff caught on to let's figure out how to do podcasts before I got more jobs in radio. And what you talked about with how maybe you thought you'd be somewhere else at this point, I always kind of felt the same way. And it wasn't until a couple of years ago where I kind of looked at it and said, I'm a firm believer in things happen at specific times for a reason. And looking at it, as much as I wanted to do a lot of the stuff that I have the opportunity to do now and things like working with the Bucks and getting to have these relationships with people, if I would have been given that five, six, more than that years ago, I was nowhere near ready for that. And I would have flamed out and been gone early. So I think that it took so long to get there. It taught you a lot more and it helps you along the way. Yeah, really quick on that is uh, you mentioned, uh, you know, I've, I've been on Colin Cowherd's show to talk college basketball, and it's something I've heard him say. I mean, he's never necessarily explicitly said it to me, but I think he got to ESPN in his late 30s, early 40s, and he said, man, you know, I made a lot of dumb mistakes on local radio, uh, you know, local TV, whatever, and don't be afraid to take your lumps and don't be afraid to put yourself out there for a young person listening because – you know, I'm not saying do anything that stupid. Don't say anything that's going to stay with you forever because the, you know, Google stays forever. But, you know, but he's, I, you know, I've heard him say uh, that he's very glad that he didn't get to ESPN at 27 as opposed to whenever he got there, 37, 38. And I think that applies. I would add one other thing, Justin. If, I don't know how many young people listen to this, but you talked about the idea of seven day work weeks as somebody who, like I said. You know, I was at FS1, uh, you know, working there behind the scenes. And, I mean, I, I've seen uh, Ken Rosenthal, the baseball writer, in action. And, I, you know, I was around Woj for a short time when he was there. And um, Bruce Feldman, college football. Like, those guys are at the peak of the, what we do. And they still work seven days a week. I mean, Ken Rosenthal is a monster as far as, I mean, all hours of the – and so, you know, I, I would just say, you know, to, to be clear to anybody that thinks that they want to do this, if you think that you reach a certain point and you get on TV, and not that I have, you know, experience in, in, in such a, a, a thing, but if you think you reach a certain point and then you get to, to hit easy street, you know, at least the successful guys that I've been around, um, that is not the case at all. It only amplifies once you get to the top because there's always somebody that's coming for that job uh, – you know, whatever it might be. You mentioned this has been kind of a fulfilling year for you. Have you found that you like, you prefer to do freelancing stuff versus maybe not being under contract, but just knowing seven days a week, you're going in nine to five or you've got specific assignments. Do you like being able to create your own assignment? Is it, is it more fun, I guess? Yeah, you know, I really do. Um, it's, it's obviously a different way to live. And, you know, I don't know there's all kinds of independent contractors and all kinds of walks of life. And so, um, you know, I feel like the world is getting more entrepreneurial uh, just as time goes on. I just think that's the nature of where the world is going. Um, I do, you know, and, and there's some weeks where, uh, you know, I don't know, I don't want to say money's tight. I can't pay bills or anything. I'm, you know, very fortunate to continue to do what I do. And, uh, you know, right now I don't have to get that second, third, fourth job uh, to, to pay the bills. Uh, so, But, I, yeah, to, to answer your question, Absolutely. And it's just for me, 
you know, I'm a very creative person. I think I'm a very independent person. I'm not a group guy. Like, I'm not like, hey, let's get in a group and do stuff together. You know, like with my podcast, I book all my own guests. I, you know, I, I think of it and I find it 100% fulfilling. And by the way, that's one of the great things about my time so far at Fox Sports Radio working with Arnie Spanier. Uh, you know, I love my bosses. I, they, I've never once been told, hey, make sure that you get this in the show or make sure whatever. It's Arnie and I texting throughout the week, texting throughout Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon. What are the topics? You know, we were on, obviously, Saturday night during the playoff, NBA playoffs and, and NCAA tournaments. So, hey, if, if Houston wins game six tonight, uh, how does the, what is the narrative as opposed to if Golden State wins game six and forces a game seven? So, yeah, I, for me, it works. It's not for everybody. Um, and it might not be forever. You know, I mean, if it, 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 the right opportunity came along tomorrow, I don't know, you know, what that would look like or what I would have to give up or whatever. But for me, it is because I'm independent. I'm self-motivated. Um, you know, I enjoy, like, kind of what I was just saying, the entrepreneurial part of it, trying to find sponsors for my podcast, trying to find guests for my podcast, stuff like that. But I can only speak for myself, and, and I can only speak for this last year, but I really have enjoyed it. What, uh, so what takes up the most time for you? Is it college hoops or college football? What's that? What takes up the most time for you? Is it college basketball or college football? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, probably the first uh, eight or ten years I was doing this, and certainly at FoxSports.com, like 80% was dedicated to college football. And even though Fox has college basketball packages, they have the Big East and now the Big Ten since I've left the, the, the digital space, but it was always college football. And really the last year, I just think with my work with The Athletic, uh, through my podcast, which is, you know, the, the people who own my technicality part of the podcast is a big college basketball page. It's been more college basketball. You know, I, 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 I'm one of those weird guys that still loves college basketball, even though the players come and go, even though the, the teams change, even though the one and done and transfers, I still really do love college basketball. Um, college football is phenomenal. So it's just one of those things that, yeah, I mean, most of my career was college football. And like I said, the last year, just the opportunities that have presented themselves have been college basketball. And, you know, we'll see if that continues, especially with being so freaking close to college football a couple weeks from now. I know I'm kind of jumping all over the page. If I remember correctly, you did a story at the uh, Ball family house last year, right? Yeah, um, I've known LeVar probably, I met LeVar the summer before Lonzo's senior year, and it's so funny because, um, you know, I'll never forget, um, you know, it kind of became a story ultimately later on, but LeVar really didn't let his kids play AAU basketball, and, and at the time, there was a lot of talk of, of uh, you know, is he, is, is, does he have his kids ducking competition and all this and all that. So I live in California, obviously. I live in Pasadena, and there was a local event for local high school teams, and normally the best players didn't play because they're all playing AAU. And so a buddy of mine says, you know, you got to come check it out. Lonzo, you know, these three brothers, they all play together. And I, of course, knew about Lonzo because he had long been committed to UCLA. And uh, I went to the gym, and it was funny. I was with my girlfriend, and, and you know, she uh, didn't think anything of it, and I was introduced to LeVar. Uh, and, you know, this is why for a long time I defended LeVar because 
when I met him, there was probably 45 people in the in the stands. Uh, and he was the same person that you've seen on TV over the last two years. So uh, I got to know LeVar really well. I mean, I, you know, there was a time where I was probably the only media person that he knew. And then Lonzo blew up. He goes to UCLA. So I did probably two or three stories from the ball house. They've since moved. Obviously, they're doing a lot of different things. I haven't seen LeVar in probably about close to a year. But, yeah, I, I, I've spent a lot of time around them. I've spent a lot of time in their kitchen. Uh, a lot of the things that LeVar has made kind of – it's interesting to me, like a lot of the things that he said publicly that have got him in trouble, you know, he said privately to me. And, and you know, I think that the interesting thing with LeVar is you always got to be careful what, you know, what you run with and what you say because, obviously, you know, he'll turn on you really quick if, if you print something that you probably shouldn't have printed. But, I mean, all the things that he said publicly, he said to me privately. Um, but I like LeVar. He was always really good to me. He was always really accessible to me. And, yeah, to answer your question, I probably did two, three, four pictures, uh, two, three, four uh, interviews at the Ball household. I would add this. I was just on Instagram because I had uh, Ennis Canner on my podcast today. And I was going through my pictures. I'm not a huge Instagram guy. I'm more, you know, I follow people and, you know, look at, you know, whatever. And uh, I was actually, fun fact, the first person to ever interview Lonzo during his time at UCLA. There's a picture of me uh, interviewing Lonzo probably his first couple weeks on campus, and that ended up being the first story ever done on Lonzo at UCLA. Uh, and I can say definitively that it was definitely not the last and definitely not the last interview that LeVar Ball did during Lonzo's time at UCLA. Um, so you mentioned that, and I was just opening up Instagram as you were Pointing that out, and the first thing I see is Aaron Torres with uh, Enos Cantor. Yeah, yeah, he, um, you know, he's doing some summer camps all across the country, and you know, I wrote a book about Kentucky basketball, and so I've always had a good plug with that community. The the website, as I mentioned, that kind of hosts my podcast is called Kentucky Sports Radio. It's this massive, massive website that covers Kentucky basketball, and so I kind of sold him, hey. Let's talk ball for a half an hour for 25 minutes. Um, and, you know, we'll plug your camps. And I guarantee you there's going to be a lot of people listening to it uh, because so many Kentucky fans follow me. So I just rapped with him a little while ago. Uh, he was great. He had a lot of really interesting stuff to say about, one, his time in Kentucky. But, two, we really did a deep dive into his time with Oklahoma City, um, you know, what it was like to be there for the good times and then, what it was like to be a teammate of Kevin Durant when Kevin Durant announces that he was going to Golden State. So it was a lot of fun, uh, and it was a great interview. I encourage everybody, the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast, I encourage everybody to check it out because uh, it was kind of a wild interview. I mean, Ennis Canner's a guy that doesn't strike me as somebody that holds stuff back, and he certainly didn't in that interview. Just kind of piggybacking off the ball thing, so uh, misnomer's probably not the the best way to put it, but if people ask you about the Ball family, about LeVar Ball specifically, biggest takeaway is that or, or thing that people, I guess, don't really expect, he's the exact same guy and it's not a show. Is that the biggest thing you would take away from it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, look, I, I don't agree with everything that he's done. What I about LeVar is this is, look, I don't agree with everything that he's done, but I don't agree with anything that everybody's done. You know, like, like, my girlfriend, I live with her. She does three things a day that drive me crazy. Doesn't mean I don't love her. Doesn't mean well, she's not a wonderful person. I, I, I was being modest with three. <laughs> now, she would probably say, 
she would probably say, I probably do 10 things a day that drive her crazy. But, you know, look, and that's my point with LeVar is, like, I don't agree with everything. I certainly didn't agree with him pulling his youngest son out of high school. Um, but, you know, but I think in my experiences with him, I would say that um, I think he's certainly a caring father. He is a phenomenal husband. Uh, his wife, Tina, adores him, and she was going through some medical issues, and he was by her side every step of the way. Um, and, you know, he is who he appears to be. There's no sugarcoating anything. Um, you know, and the one thing I would take away from him is, you know, I don't know with the JBA and everything that's going on now, you know, I, I, you know, I don't know where they are financially or anything, and it's none of our business, but he is an incredibly smart businessman. I don't think he gets enough credit for it, you know, and, and this was part of what I was just talking about as far as, um, you know, as far as uh, being in his house and spending time with him and, and behind the scenes. I mean, you know, he would, you know, first of all, I'll tell you guys a story. I've told this a few times, but as I mentioned, I interviewed Lonzo, you know, in July of his fresh going into his freshman year. I sit down with LeVar at his, at his lunch table. This was probably September or whatever. And, you know, it's just the two of us. And, and he says to me, he says, you know, Aaron, you know, you know, I have this vision. And, you know, as I said, you know, what's up? And he says, you know, this, this is how I see this year going. He says, you know, look, you know, Lonzo's going to be amazing. And, you know, he's going to be a Laker. He says, you know, you know who calls all the UCLA games? He's going to be phenomenal for UCLA. He goes, you know who calls all those UCLA games on ESPN, right? And I said, well, Bill Wallen. He goes, and you know who Bill Wallen's son is, right? And I go, well, it's Luke Wallen, the coach of the Lakers. He says, I'm telling you, Lonzo is going to go crazy, and Bill Wallen is going to tell his son, you have to draft my boy. You have to draft my boy. And in my head, I'm sitting there thinking two things. One, prior to Lonzo's freshman year, you can look this up, there wasn't no any one knew, yeah. Draft, well, keep in mind, first of all, the Lakers' pick, I believe, was top three protected. Mm-hmm. So they had to be in the top three, and there wasn't a single draft on the planet that had Lonzo in the top three. That was the year that Jason Tatum, everybody loved Jason Tatum, Harry Giles before yeah. he suffered another injury, uh, Dennis Smith, De'Aaron Fox, Markel Fultz. Nobody had Lonzo as, at that high in the draft. So he needed a little bit of, he needed Lonzo to be as good as Lonzo ended up being. And then, oh, by the way, he needed the Lakers to be bad. And if you remember that year, yes, they were rebuilding around D'Angelo Russell and Brandon Ingram, but there was like real buzz. I think that was the year they might have signed Luol Dang and, and Mozgov, and, like, there was buzz, like, they won't be good, they won't be in the playoffs, but they won't be really bad either. They were and around sure enough, 500 were, at some point. Like, in the first yeah, 40 games, they were around year, yeah. 500 even. Yeah, and so so the point is, is one, all this speaking into existence stuff, I mean, I, I you know, Darren Moore, who's, who's kind of Lonzo's manager's right-hand man, I told Darren in the middle of the season, like, I never believed in a higher power and a higher being until I met LeVar, but some of the stuff he said was insane in retrospect. But the other thing I would give LeVar credit for was talking to him that day. He was already telling me, Lonzo's going to be the first rookie in NBA history to have his own shoe when he gets to the league. And, and, you know, and so, and so, you know, everyone, when, when the thought came out that Lonzo's going to have his own shoe, Everybody kind of defaulted to, who does this guy think he is? Why is the shoe $500? Whatever. What nobody talked about was, think about what LeVar had to do to make that happen. He had to find a shoe designer. 
He had to find a manufacturer. He had to find, you know, he had to set up the shipping. He had to set up the website. And so, like, what I don't think LeVar gets enough credit for is, uh, you know, the vision and his ability to fulfill that vision, not only, like, the metaphorical speaking into existence, but to have a shoe company set up in time for Lonzo's debut in the NBA is unbelievable. And, you know, it's just I don't think he gets enough credit for that. So that was my real takeaway being around him was the way that he not only spoke, like the business acumen that he had, the, the, the marketing acumen that he had. I mean, to have a shoe out on opening night or, you know, he actually technically, I guess, had a, a, a demo for Summer League Lonzo's rookie year. To have all that in place, I mean, that was years in the making. Um, and, you know, I just think LeVar is an incredibly bright guy. Like I said, I don't agree with everything that he's done, but I just think he's an incredibly bright guy. And those are a lot of things I don't think he gets enough credit for. All right, I want to move on to some fun stuff. I know you're a big UConn guy. I know you love talking about UConn. Is Ben Gordon the greatest UConn player of all time? Uh, <laughs> no. Why? Are you guys Ben Gordon fans or no, what? No, I'm not. He is. I, I'm, not. I'm not a fan of current crazy Ben Gordon. Uh, I did enjoy his time with the Bulls. I, wh- what would be like your, not a Mount Rushmore, but like a, a top three? What's Aaron Torres' top three UConn bas- men's basketball players? Yeah, I mean, you know, my favorite probably player is Rudy Gay because he was there kind of the same time I was, and he was actually, like, really friendly when I would see him around campus, so I've always kind of remembered that. Um, You know, what Kemba did is still, like, it's amazing. When I talk to people about being from UConn, people still to this day, oh, my God, Kemba, I can't believe – I mean, people forget – they won five straight games in the Big East tournament, and then they won six straight games in the NCAA tournament. They won 11 straight single elimination games to win the year, to win that season, um, that national championship. Um, you know, when I was a kid, it was guys like Ray Allen, Richard Hamilton. But I would say Kemba and Rudy Gay, uh, probably. I love Shabazz Napier. I mean, I'm just spitballing here off the top of my head. Uh, and I will say this, Ben Gordon still has the best nickname maybe in the history of college basketball when he won – the Big East Tournament MVP, and they started calling him Madison Square Gordon. So that was still, uh, to this day, one of my favorite little UConn tidbits. But I would say Rudy Gay, Kemba. Oh, I'll give you one more. Do you guys remember Marcus Williams? Oh, yeah. Uh, he was the, yeah, he was the point, the guard, point guard when Rudy yeah. Gay was there when I was there. Yeah, I will tell you guys, me and my buddies, to this day, we, I was just one of my best friends. We used to go to all the games together. He just had his bachelor party about three weeks ago. We still, to this day, like are like the biggest Marcus Williams fans. He got drafted by the Nets. He was supposed to be the heir apparent to Jason Kidd when he was there, and it just never worked out. And I'm telling you, man, you could not have told us. Like we were like writing the the plaque for Springfield when he was at UConn. I mean, by the way, he was a phenomenal. He was awesome. Uh, but, yeah, so those are my guys. I love UConn. By the way, guys, I'm talking so much. What about you guys? I didn't know this was like a long-form interview. I want to know a little bit about you guys. Uh, well, I mean, come on now. What, what, you can't uh, just talk about me. <laughs> Give your three, Ash, because Ashton's a Louisville guy. Well, I mean, would you okay. want my, my, my top three? I didn't go to Louisville, so I don't know. Everyone depends on – I'm going to ask you this before I give my top three. Well, Are hang p- on, hang on. I'm surprised you didn't mention Khalid el Oh, uh, love Khalid El Amin. He got he got arrested like two days after winning the <laughs> national championship. So, uh, no, dude. You know, I'll say this is that 
you know, that UConn team that they want, you know, I had Jim Calhoun on my podcast the other day, and um, he believed, like, like people forget with Jim Calhoun, he won three national championships. Um, people forget that early in his career, Jim Calhoun and Justin, you'll appreciate this because you're a U of A guy, I think. I don't, I'm confused yeah, on the yeah. U of A correlation <laughs> with, uh, with uh, lacrosse, but we'll, we'll cross that bridge another time. But, you know, Jim Calhoun was the Sean Miller of his day. I mean, he made his first Elite Eight in 1990. They were one play away from going to the Final Four. They, they miss out. And then they don't make their first Final Four till 1999. So, you know, he was the Sean Miller of his day. Can't win the big one. Can't, you know, can't get to the Final Four. Um, and Khalid Alamine was the guy that, even though Rip Hamilton was on that team, like, Calhoun swears that Khalid Alamine was the missing piece that allowed them to, to put them over the top win that national championship. I, I get asked it a lot. I mean, the U of A thing. So my grandparents would stay in Arizona every winter. So they go from Wisconsin out there. And my favorite, I mean, my all-time favorite athlete is still Charles Barkley. So we would go out there to visit him every winter. I'd get to watch Suns games when he played for that team. And a couple of the years they stayed in Tucson. So we would go uh, see the campus and and go to some Arizona games. And that was the... Uh, Basically, the Khalid Reeves era, and right when they're on the heels of Final Fours, eventually winning with the Miles Simon team. So that's how I got into uh, Arizona, which really throws people off around here, especially in recent years when they would play the Badgers every year. And I'd always get asked, well, how are you rooting for Arizona, not the Badgers? You didn't go there. Like, well, I didn't go to Madison either. There you go. There you go. So yeah. do you have a do you have a, a Mount Rushmore of lacrosse basketball players too, or just Arizona? <laughs> do they have a basketball team, Justin? Well, it's a D three. We did have a basketball team. The one of the last years I was there, there was some scandal with it, and scandal with the football team too. So let's go D three scandal. What do we got? What what is what's D three scandal? Well, so with like, the football team, especially well, the football team, there was a big steroid scandal oh, where wow. we had guys that were going to Mexico to bring back drugs. Uh, the wow. basketball team there was academic in propriety, so it, it wasn't really. Is it really a college experience if there's not some academic? That's the problems? one thing that takes away from it. Um, but otherwise, yeah, you get to do everything else. You have to. Otherwise, it's not fun. Arizona, though, Mount Rushmore. I mean, number one, Eugene Edgerson is always <laughs> going to be my favorite player. Um, I, I loved uh, our guy, Andre Iguodala, is probably number two on that list. I liked Luke Walton quite a bit. And, oh, man, who would I pick for the fourth? I, I can't believe Luke Walton was drafted the same year as LeBron. Like, oh. I never did that, put that together until this, like, last month. Unbelievable. You know who? Uh, all right. So the fourth would probably be a tie between... I loved Salim Stoudemire when he was there, and I was a big trooper for Mustafa Shakur. I couldn't believe he wasn't the next great point guard. There you go. Yeah, everyone's got a Mustafa Shakur in their lives. Mine was Marcus <laughs> Williams. So. Uh, I'm going to go with mine is, is probably Edgar Sosa, who played 11 or 12 seasons at Louisville, I think. By the way, fun fact, Edgar Sosa, high school teammate of Kemba Walker, Rice High School. I did not know that. So then, would that mean that meant Edgar Sosa was probably on the team that Kemba beat, or was that after uh, the Louisville team that buzzer beater? No. no. Edgar Sosa was two years older. Okay. And if I'm not mistaken, I'm almost positive Kemba was cut his freshman year of high school 
made it his sophomore year, and then he took over for Edgar Sosa as a junior. We'll have to we'll have to get our we'll have to get the uh, the, the, the the our stats team to uh, confirm that for us, but. Uh, pretty sure that's accurate i loved earl clark uh terrence williams was my guy honestly i didn't donovan mitchell i always thought was good i never thought he was going to be this until like the summer league that's when i was like oh donovan mitchell will be pretty fun to watch still didn't think he was going to be this i I loved uh, terry rozier and uh peyton siva like the the more i'm so i'm 23 so i all these all these newer the newer teams those are my loves like the the 05 on that's, that's that's my okay. little. Yeah, that's uh, cool. You know. Yeah, no, I was I, I was gonna say uh, I forget who the fourth person you said was Earl Clark, and then who was it after? Uh, that? Uh, Terrence Williams. Yeah. Peyton Siva. No, Scott Padgett. Who? Scott Padgett. No. Scott. Well, no, David. David. It was David. David. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, it's David Padgett. Come on, put some respect on his name. He was the coach this season. Sort of. Oh, that's. I mean, Louisville's another issue that that's. Are they ever going to be good again? Can I ever be happy, or should I just stop watching Louisville sports? I, I'll tell you this. I was amazed. Chris Mack took that job, and it's funny. I, I do a weekly hit with my buddy Nick Coffey, who hosts uh, – he helps me. You know, he's my pseudo-co-host on my podcast. Right. And all season long, and I wasn't doing it to troll or to be mean, but I just said, look, man, you just came off of one major NCAA scandal. You get this banner taken down, um, and now you're going to have another one with Brian Bowen. And I said, I don't think any of these big-time coaches are going to come to Louisville. And so the fact that they got Chris Mack, either they know something we don't about what's coming from the NCAA, or that job is incredible. But, look, Chris Mack's an awesome, awesome coach. I think he is going to be phenomenal uh, for them. Look, I, you know, I, I don't know what the ceiling is. I don't. It, it's a tough conference. He's always going to have to go against Coach K and Roy Williams. In conference, he's always going to have John Calipari uh, in the state for at least, you know, the next – six, seven years, whatever it is, as long as all those guys stick around. He's a really good coach, though. I mean, people forget Xavier was basically a mid-major when he took over. They were in the A-10. They get to the Big East, step up in competition, and he takes them into the consistent top 10, top 15, including a number one seed this year. So I think they're going to be really good with him, to be perfectly honest. See, this is why we bring you on, so that you can make us feel better about our teams. I don't know if you can make Justin feel better about Sean Miller. I feel like it's just more of joking at this point with Sean Miller. I mean, they're good, but it's it's Sean Miller still. No, I, I actually feel the exact opposite. I actually think um, I think they're going to overachieve this year. I said this to a buddy of mine who also went to U of A, a lot of U of A fans in L.A. I think this is the year that we're going to be like, oh, wait a second, Sean Miller is actually a really, really good coach. Now, he's not always great in the NCAA tournament. He's not always great in those tight situations. Oh, I'm aware. So marketing. Yeah. But, I mean, I, like, he didn't get the Arizona job by accident. And people forget, you think, like, when just because you end up at one of these type of schools that you're supposed to be guaranteed something, go look at Billy Gillespie at Kentucky. Go look at uh, Matt Doherty at North Carolina. Like, you still got to know what you're doing when you get to one of these schools. And so I saw Sean Miller actually with the Athletics say something really interesting this week in that, you know, watching Villanova, he's kind of reevaluated how he recruits and he wants to bring in more two-, three-, four-year guys and develop more guys. I think that's the right approach. It was funny. I was actually at an AAU event just yesterday, and the number of West Coast kids that would kill to play at the University of Arizona is unbelievable. 
And I think he got caught up the last couple of years chasing these five-star kids all around the country. And I think that it's burned him enough now where, um, you know, he, he, you, you lose early in the tournament enough, you kind of start to reevaluate everything going on with the FBI. And I think he realized specifically after Sharif O'Neal decommitted, the season ended, but they still picked up three or four commitments that there are a lot of kids that would love to play at University of Arizona. I think they're going to overachieve this coming year. Uh, I have no idea if he'll stick to what he's saying, but I do think that uh, I, I, I think they're going to be good this year. And uh, I don't know if they'll be like, you know, win the Pac-12 good, but I think they're going to overachieve, and I think we're going to realize, like, wait a second, maybe Sean Miller wasn't as bad as we were kind of yelling at him for these last couple of years. I was, uh, I think we were all kind of surprised, too, by just how that class looks coming into this year, that it just didn't crumble and some of the guys that they were able to bring in. Uh, I think just because people think I'm more important than I am with the role with the Bucks, I get the opportunity to talk with... Nobody thinks that. So, some of these guys do, for some reason. Some people from Arizona that I... I think you're important. I was, <laughs> I was a guest on their show to talk Arizona basketball, and I'm that far removed. But the same thing, where everyone out there... The biggest complaint was when Sean Miller came and really when things started to turn, the Derek Williams year when they just boat raced Duke in the tournament. And it started to become more more and more of those type of recruits and going for the five-star and ignoring kids in their backyard. It seems like some of the locals kind of soured on Sean Miller with that, but it, it certainly looks like that's kind of swung back in the other direction. Yeah, I would say really quick a couple things is, um, you know, one, people forget with that Derek Williams class. I mean, the reason that Arizona had so much success, and I'm really excited that a bunch of Wisconsin fans are going to listen to us talk Arizona for <laughs> like 30 minutes here. But what so happened was people forget. Yeah, people forget what happened was Sean Miller got to Arizona. He needed players. And Tim Floyd got fired at USC for paying O.J. Mayo. Yep. And their whole recruiting class – basically went to Arizona, and they were all like three-star SoCal kids, including Derek Williams, and then they make this crazy tournament run, and that's when he started recruiting the Aaron Gordons and Stanley Johnsons and Lowry Markinens. But early on, that was how he won when he got to Arizona was those kind of overachieving kids. You're absolutely right, by the way, Justin, is that he did burn a lot of bridges here in California. Uh, there was a time kind of – I think T.J. Leaf was kind of the tipping point. Actually, I, I take that back. It was T.J. Leaf, and uh, I'm blanking on the kid's name. Maybe Gabe York. I can't remember. York, yeah, the point but, guard. Uh, yeah, the, it, there were a lot of people in SoCal that felt like maybe Sean Miller, um, you know, wasn't treating their players right. But you know, I still think at the end of the day, it's the University of Arizona. And I mean, if you're um, a four-star kid somewhere, and the you know you're ranked you know, number between number 50 and number 150, and you're not getting the offers from the Dukes, the Air, you know, the Dukes, the Kentuckys, the North Carolinas. I mean, you know, it's a dream school to go to Arizona, and there are still a lot of really good players kind of in that window. I mean, you know, when you look at this draft this past year, and, yeah, there's a lot of one-and-done guys, but kind of the point that Sean Miller made with the Athletic was, there's a lot of Dante DiVincenzo's and, and guys that are, are, you know, somewhere between, like, number 40 and number, 
uh, you know, 100 in the recruiting rankings that aren't going to be one and dones. And I don't know. I, I, I've always thought, you know, ever since this scandal happened, I said, I hope Sean Miller gets back to his roots. It seems like he's doing it. It'll be interesting to see. Uh, and one name I forgot to mention, too, which he's close to the Mount Rushmore. And it, it seems like he was the last guy or one of the last guys that Arizona was bringing in that were local kids before this change happened. Um, Nick Johnson. I remember watching him all four years in college and thinking, this guy is going to be great at the pro level. He does everything well and just didn't pan out. I was actually at his last game at Arizona, Elite Eight against Wisconsin. Yep. And that was the year he won Pac 12 Player of the Year. And uh, I think he won Pac 12 Player of the Year. And yeah, he was awesome. I was sitting there in that arena like, that dude is going to be a pro for a long time. So I don't know what happened, but. I thought Aaron Gordon was going to be good, and I'm not sure he's going to be good. Stanley Johnson was the same thing for me. Another Arizona guy, I th- I think has a chance, but I just none of they don't. No one blows me away. Any anyone that comes out of out of U of A recently, no one's really blown me away. When they get to the NBA, yeah, when, once they get past college. Well, it, it, well, it's funny because I've had this argument actually, and it's going to sound like I'm name dropping, and I'm not, but like <laughs> please Colin do. Cowherd, <laughs> no, 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 because I went on his show. And, you know, he had this big thing about Kentucky, and everyone thinks I'm a Kentucky fan because I wrote a book about (laughs) Kentucky. I'm not. I really, uh, you know, UConn had to go through Kentucky to win two national championships, and I wouldn't train him for anything. But, you know, Colin's argument was, what does Anthony Davis want at the NBA level? What does John Wall want at the NBA level? And, like, it's really hard to win in the NBA, and there are, like, 10 guys, 12 guys that are legitimate NBA, like, superstars. And so, you know, it's funny because you get all these guys that are five-star kids coming out of high school, but, I mean, how many of them are real difference makers? So I just think that that's just how the NBA is, is that even when you recruit the best of the best, I mean, for years I used to I used to say this with Duke, outside of Kyrie Irving, who's their second-best player in the NBA? Now, you know, Jason Tatum's coming on and Brandon Ingram might get there, but for years there wasn't a second-best player in the NBA. I just think that... It, I think people underestimate how hard it how hard it is to get to the NBA, stay there, and have success. Being a guy that covers a lot of college basketball, and certainly last year, I'm sure you got this question a lot. But I'm guessing the question you get asked the most, and it has to be the one you hate getting, is how do you fix college basketball, or should they play, or should they pay college athletes? Oh, I, I mean, I literally get into arguments every day about paying college athletes. I mean, and my like my stance, like even as of like two days ago, I got into a big argument about this because Josh Rosen came out and he had some plan to revolutionize yeah. college sports. <laughs> yeah. And I and like I just said, like maybe he should worry about like staying healthy for more than five games before he tries to take over the world. And I said something to the effect: the NCAA has been operating perfectly fine without him for a hundred years, and. People are dumb, which is fine. You know, they can't all be, you know, intelligent creatures like the three of us. And, you know, (laughs) they start saying, oh, you think the NCAA is perfect? And I said, no. I said, perfectly fine. And And I literally Googled the term perfectly fine, which means that it is kind of operating at a level that is satisfactory, which is exactly what the NCAA is. And so, look, I mean... I don't really know how to express this succinctly because it's so many different things. Should you pay players? Should they be allowed to go pro out of high school? All that stuff. What I will say and what I will continue to say is that 
percent of college athletes have a pretty good deal, especially at especially at the power conference programs. I mean, you look at you know, take Alabama for Alabama football, for example. They bring in twenty five guys every year that could play at any level of college football. They get six or seven guys drafted every single year. Let's say, for the sake of argument, they have another three guys that sign undrafted free agent contracts. By the way, this is Alabama, okay? So you're talking about a school that is the best in the country. Most years they're having, you know, in a great year, eight or ten guys drafted, which is phenomenal for any school. The point I'm trying to make is that means that 15% at Alabama, or, or excuse me, 15 out of 25 recruits are not going to play in the NFL. And, oh, by the way, even if they make the NFL, the vast majority of them aren't going to do enough in the NFL, stay in the NFL long enough to make enough money to support themselves the rest of their lives. So the fact of the matter is they need the education that they got in college or they need the contacts that they made in college to get into coaching or the next step or whatever it is. And so my only point is that for most kids, you're getting a free education, which most of them will need to use at some point in their career. Um, you you are getting um, you know free room and board, uh, free health care, free food, unlimited food thanks to Shabazz Napier. I mean, it's a pretty good deal. And by the way, now they get a cost of attendance scholarship, which basically means that every couple months, every semester they get a check for like $5,000 or $3,000. Like, to me, you know, I get that they are producing a ton of the revenue, but for the vast majority of the guys that actually produce the revenue, the Lonzo Balls and Johnny Manziels and Vince Youngs, they get to go pro and they make their money. But it's just, I mean, I could go on and on on this for days, but, you know, the guys that are actually producing the revenue, they go pro. And the ones that really aren't producing revenue – like, I'm sorry, like, no disrespect, just because you play football in Alabama, just because you play basketball in Kentucky, it doesn't mean that you personally are actually producing revenue. I don't know who the 11th guy on Wisconsin's roster is, but just because he's wearing a Wisconsin uniform doesn't mean that anybody's coming to the arena to watch him. And so the only point I'm trying to make is is that, like, it, you know, most college athletes have such a great deal, such a great opportunity, and the misinformation out there is mind-boggling. And so to me, could you do more for some of these kids? Yeah, probably. But I think most of them have it pretty good. Wait, so simply put, this is because I have turned on this a million times. And it, it, what I've come come to is to agree with what you just said is it's been going perfectly fine. Is it easy to say, and this is not meant as a jab at the NCAA, it's just yep. to everyone it's an imperfect system. To, to, to everybody. Everyone should just view it as, look, it's imperfect, but at its core, it works. I mean, every system is imperfect. I mean, look at the NBA. I mean, there's things in the NBA that need to be changed. There's things, the NFL, as we talk, is still <laughs> in the middle of all these political issues, and we won't get into them. I don't want to offend anybody, whatever. But, you know, like, I, I, the NCAA is an easy punching bag, um, and nobody really kind of sticks up for it, you know? And, like, it, like it was funny to, to go to this kind of college basketball FBI scandal for a second. Like, everyone is, you know, I heard so many people, people that are supposed to know what they're talking about. I heard Jamel Hill at ESPN say this. The NCAA caused this black market. 
No, it didn't. The NBA is not allowing the best players to come to the NBA after, you know, straight out of high school. By the way, the guys that are paying these kids are NBA certified agents. But everybody's blaming the NCAA. What does the NCAA have to do with it? They, they, like, like if DeAndre Ayton can't go to the NBA, is the NCAA supposed to turn him away and say, go play in Turkey for a year? Like, it's just, you know, like, like the misinformation out there is so mind-boggling. Like, I, I, just, I just don't think, I don't think people, I don't think, frankly, most people understand, like, simple concepts. Like, in basketball, the one-and-done rule is an NBA rule. Like, you know, the fact that the vast majority of college athletic programs uh, are in the red, they don't make money. I mean, there's so many things that people don't know. And so it is imperfect, Ashton, to answer your question. But I think there's, but I think it, they do a lot more good than anybody realizes. Um, and I don't think they get any of the credit for it at all. So, a little bit off topic. One of the things we talked about uh, on the show that he and I had tonight was last night was the ESPYs, and I was telling Ashton, look, I would venture to guess most of our audience, I hope, did not watch the ESPYs, and you probably had more people watching things like soccer, which is not very big in Wisconsin, but (laughs) just to show you, look, here's how the ESPYs are viewed. And I told Ashton, because again, he's 36 years younger than us, last time I watched the ESPYs was probably (laughs) 20 years ago when Norm MacDonald was hosting the show and basically roasting athletes in the audience. So it got us to thinking and soliciting thoughts from the audience as well. Always a bad idea. If there's one athlete out there you would want to see roasted, who would it be? One athlete I would want to see roasted. And then I'm, I'm going to have to go after this one, guys, because yeah, yeah, i got to yeah, yeah. get in and take care of my podcast. It's a great question. Um I mean, we can give you some of what we got and allow you to, to stall to find an answer. I mean, he and I both said Kobe Bryant just to see the way he handled it. Yeah, he was one. Kevin, he was one I thought of. Kevin Durant is oh, obviously one. He's the one. He's the answer. I was going to say LeBron because I don't oh. think, like, for all the criticism LeBron has gotten, like, in his, in his like, world, in his bubble – like LeBron can do no wrong, but I think LeBron has grown some thick skin. Kevin Durant is still the pettiest. <laughs> I mean, and, and this is um, Arnie Spanier and I, my co-host on Fox Sports Radio, we talk about all the time. I mean, he is just, I, I just think he's a fake tough guy. I really do. I've always said that. You know, I've, I've used this analogy before. Kevin Durant, when he got to the Warriors, he reminded me of the guy at the bar who, when he's by himself, he sits in the corner doesn't say anything, keeps to himself. The second that, and, and, you know, when he got to the Warriors, he became the guy that has a bunch of friends on the football team, and now he goes to the Warrior, he goes to the bar looking to pick fights and, and bumping into you and spilling your drinks, and you better buy me another drink, bro. Like, like that's who Kevin Durant is. Like, he was, he was, he's always been thin-skinned, but, I, I you know, this, this Warriors thing has given him such a fake, tough guy facade and, yeah, I don't think he would handle himself well. Really quick, I would ask you guys, 
didn't somebody like make a joke about him a couple years ago at the ESPYS, and he actually you could see in his face that he didn't like it at all, or was that somebody else? Uh, I, that was I think Peyton Manning said something last year after I think it must have been last year's, and I think they yeah. panned to him, and he just yeah, was, it was something dead about yeah. in the war. Yes, and yeah. he just kind of looked at him like like basically the you serious, bro? And I don't know if that was planned or not. With, with it being Kevin Durant, it wasn't because he's a giant baby. That's we are not super big fans of Kevin Durant on this podcast. I, I just I love him as a basketball player. I just wish he would calm the hell down and just chill. Just chill out. That's it. Well, and, he, and, he, and he's such a great basketball player, too, and that's what makes it tough. Is like, And that's my whole thing with the Warriors, and that's another podcast you can have me on whenever <laughs> you want to talk about it, is like this whole like fake exterior of like, like after the finals, David West, oh, you know, you we had it so tough. And if you guys knew what went on in this locker room, it's like, dude, the other team you just played in the finals, they had a guy throw soup at the coach. Like, don't don't tell me that you guys had drama. Everybody has drama. You're with the same group of guys for for uh, you know for nine months straight, and like this idea that like they overcame so much adversity. Like, shut up. Like, you know, and that's my whole thing with the Warriors is like. Maybe I'm just like a little, you know, whatever. But like, there's just no humility. Like, like you know, I'm not saying they shouldn't enjoy the championship. And and by the way, I have no problem with them signing Demarcus Cousins. Good for them for making it work. But like, you know, there's just no humility about like, uh, like you guys, you you turn it on. Like, like literally in playoff games in the Western Conference Finals, you weren't even trying for a half. And then you would turn it on and blow teams out. Like, don't tell me how tough your road is. You guys are better than everybody else. You guys have worked harder at some point in your careers to get to this point. No one is trying to deny what Steph Curry and Clay Thompson and Kevin Durant have done. But stop telling me how tough your road is. And Kevin Durant's the ringleader. Draymond Green's another one that drives all of us nuts. But, like, it's just, it's just unbelievable. So. Well, I, I know you got to get going, but it's the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. You can read him on various places, The Athletic. You can see him on Colin Cowherd's show. You heard, you can hear him on Fox Sports Radio on uh, Saturday nights. Aaron, it's always our pleasure to catch up with you. You, you are, without question, our favorite to talk to. Oh, thank you so much, guys. I appreciate it. I will say, out of everyone that I talk to, the, the joint... Louisville lacrosse fans, uh, you guys are my favorite too, so.